This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Since 1999, CoolHockey.com has been the number one online source for purchasing and customizing officially licensed NHL hockey jerseys in North America. They ensure every product that leaves their doors is done to the exact specifications of the NHLPA. Since they don't outsource jerseys for customization like their competitors, they're able to offer the best quality, pricing, and delivery time on all of their products. If you're a fan of the Winnipeg Jets, they have what you need to support your team. If you take our word for it, then go to www.coolhockey.com THPN and use our promo code THPN for 30% off. Hey, y'all. Welcome to another episode of the Jets Grit Per 60 podcast. New season edition-ish in December. Uh, my name is Connor Farrell. You can call me TC. I am joined from Jacksonville. Hey, everyone. I'm Brendan, also known as TCJ. How are you, Connor? I almost did. I almost did our from Gainesville intro, but you're not in Gainesville anymore. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, now we're both in Jacksonville. Correct. Um, awesome. And today we have a very special guest to start our brand new season. Brand new season. I know it's still the off season in December, but for the sake of the pod, it's the new season. Brandon Ruwicki from the Big Show on TSN 1290. Brandon, how are you doing? I'm doing good, guys. How's it going? Doing doing all yeah. right. It it got cold here. It's now, um, what was the high today? 60-ish degrees Fahrenheit. I don't know how that translates to Celsius. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to do it in my head. I mean, maybe we sent some of our cold down there because it's actually, I mean, for us, it's decent right now. It's like, it's zero degrees Celsius right now. It's like, we, we get I like... I think that's like 30-something Fahrenheit. So it's for, it's 46 degrees in Jacksonville right now, which would be a, almost eight uh, yeah, degrees Celsius. It's a little it's the a high, little colder here, but yeah, this, but is, the high, this is like tropical right now. Yeah, uh, we here where Brennan and I record, we don't get winter. We get um, well, we get diet winter. Yeah, we get, <laughs> we get like cold enough to put, throw on like a sweatshirt yeah. and jeans, and that's kind of usually it. Usually you're good yeah. with that. Um, you know, so December started in, oh, now we've got December weather somehow. Yeah, I mean. Anytime you guys want to trade, let me know, okay? <laughs> I, would, I would like no. one, exactly one snow day. Yeah. <laughs> all, I, all I ever wanted was a kid was exactly one snow day. Our, our snow days were um, every once in a while, you get a hurricane or a tropical storm that's just enough to, uh, to get school canceled. That may or may day. not hit. Yeah. hurricanes are fickle. Well, we lived in Jacksonville, though, so it's not like hurricanes were super common, except for the last couple of years where common. it was like back to back to back. There was a year where we got like five hurricanes or something. Anyway, uh, we'll <laughs> talk about hockey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
how's the weather today? Um, no. So, uh, Brandon, uh, can you give us a brief description, I guess, of what what all you cover over at TSN 1290? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously being in Canada, it's going to be mainly hockey. Uh, so the Winnipeg Jets is, is the, the majority of what we talk about. And as you could imagine, it's, it's pretty crazy. Like the fans up here, are, they're, they're super passionate and I, I like it that way, but they, they can get a little crazy. Uh, so it's, yeah, mostly Jets. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with the CFL. We, we do a little bit of, of the Blue Bombers oh, are local football team up there and i would say those two in the nfl is kind of the primary focus for us i would say i know enough about the cfl uh to say that winnipeg is like the reigning champion of the of the great right. and that's it yeah we finally broke it was a 29 year championship drought in a oh. nine-team league which is so i don't know i don't know what that like extrapolates <laughs> to I, I, it was like getting into like Browns Lions territory, pretty much. It's like if we did the Canadian division every year and the Leafs never won it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I have a question. I have a CFL related question. All right. Would you, in your estimation, would you say there are more Americans playing in the CFL, like percentage wise, or more Canadians playing in the NHL percentage wise? Ooh. I don't know the exact percentages. I know like in the CFL, uh, best guess. Canadian ratio. So you have to start oh. so many Canadian players to it, it's, it's been something that's been in the league for a long time. Um, Sounds like the MLS. Yeah, exa it's exactly like the, MLS. yeah, it actually is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, there's more total. I would, I would say there's more players in the NHL, more American players. Um, but it's just, it's, it's such a different mix, right? Because obviously the Americans come up here and I mean, they're just going to be better than 95% of the Canadians. Um, but it, I mean, it's a different game too, right? So a lot of the Americans that come up here struggle with, you know, the bigger field and the motion and all that sort of a stuff. So it, yeah, it's a tough comparison. Uh, but I do, I can tell you that up here in Canada, we're getting a little concerned about the American talent in hockey. Oh, the American talent. What you're We're getting scared. Concerned. We're not scared. We're just oh, a little okay. concerned that it's it's starting to catch up to Canada a little bit. Starting to catch. So yeah. you, hockey is growing faster in America than football is growing in Canada, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Okay. Well, was I like, will take like a that couple all years day ago. long. What, what was it like a couple of years ago in the draft where there were more Americans selected than Canadians in the first round or something? Yeah, that was the big year with the uh, U.S. development team. Got a bunch of first round picks and then yeah, they uh cool. they reverted back to the minks i think there were like two americans picked in the first round yeah this year. yeah it was a bit of a crisis up here for a little bit but <laughs> i think we're past it now uh all right so let's get into some jets talk because that's what we do on this show uh you know what were your allegedly what were your thoughts i guess on, on last year and then we'll kind of go from there so <laughs> it, it feels so long ago now too i'm trying to rack my brain about what exactly happened i mean the main thing was it, it felt like the team never had a chance right out of the gate with the Dustin Bufflin situation mm. because the blue line was so, I mean, it was hanging on by a thread with big buff. And then once he called it quits, there really wasn't much left and they didn't really have a chance. And so it, it's tough for me at least to try and evaluate 
how the Jets did last season because their blue line was so bad, right? Like, I, I mean, there was a lot of guys up front that were strong offensively, but were just so brutal in their own zone that it, it's tough to differentiate. Are their struggles, you know, related to just themselves or was it a, just a factor of having a blue line patched together that, I mean, maybe Detroit's, maybe Ottawa's was worse, but I, I don't know if there was a whole lot of teams in the league that had a worse blue line that would win a pick throughout last season. So I, I thought it was a transition year and I was, I was still somewhat optimistic that they could get back into quasi contention this season. I don't know if I would jump all on board with that just yet, but it was, it, I mean, it was clearly a step back. It was clearly a step back for the team last year. And if it wasn't for Connor Hellebuck, I mean, there would have been a lottery team as opposed to in that goofy playoff format out there in the bubble. This is a very pro Connor Hellebuck podcast. Um, <laughs> this is this is the Connor Hellebuck and uh, Nick Ellers show um, primarily. Um, but I guess getting back to the point you made about the defense, um, I would argue that as bad as or as low as the expectations were for the defense, they somehow were even worse. <laughs> I think. I think they, I don't think they met expectations last year as far as I don't think Neil Pionk met expectations. Josh Morrissey was about what I expected him to be, but they kind of had to throw him into a higher role than maybe he should have been in. I mean, and other than that, there aren't a whole lot of like positives on that blue line. The fact that they went out and brought in Sabiza still annoys me. Like, yeah, I mean, hopefully Sabiza, I, I can't imagine him being at most a seventh defenseman. To me, it's going to be more in that eighth defenseman, maybe AHL role. Um, you know, I, I actually thought Neil Pyong did better than I thought he would. Because really? he was, from everyone we had talked to out there in New York, was, and so maybe my expectations weren't super high for him coming in. But I, I, he was, he was, he was good. Like he was, he was good as a second yeah. pair defenseman. Okay. I, I think Josh Morrissey early on in the season last year was trying to do everything. Yes. Right. Like he was well, just, he was the guy he wanted, he wanted. Yeah. And the problem was, and you know, this isn't Morrissey's fault or Tucker Pullman's no. fault, but they asked Josh Morrissey to carry a top pairing with Tucker Pullman beside him. There are, five, six, seven defensemen in the league that can carry a top pairing by themselves. And Josh Morrissey's not one of them. And that's okay. Um, I, I, you know, personally, I think he's best suited in a number two role on a top pairing. If you can find a guy that's a little bit above him in stature, then I think that's the perfect spot you want to be in if you're Winnipeg. But that was just kind of the, I, I think the story of the whole season for the blue line, at least, is everybody's being asked to, to fill in roles they're not capable of. And, you know, thankfully Connor Hellebuck saved their asses for the majority of the season, or else we might be having a different discussion about yes. certain changes with, I mean, who, who knows how far reaching it could have been. Um, my, so my big um, prediction for the season is that all of our problems on the blue line are going to be solved because Hanel is going to step up and have a breakout season. Um, oh, okay. Is, I'm, it's a little bit of an optimistic, and I know I'm probably giving Hala a little bit more credit than I should, but it looks like he's doing fairly well with his little loan spell in Europe, you know, until the season starts, and he played well in the NHL for the eight or nine games that he was here last year. Like, he, 
he looked like he belonged in the NHL, whereas some of the other young defensemen that they tried didn't. And then they sent him to Europe, which is still a, dis- a decision I disagree with. But I think if, you know, if we get him for a full season, he at least fills a hole in there and says, okay, we can stick him in a second line or second pairing slot. Or if we want to, I don't know how the handedness works out, but just talent-wise, maybe if we wanted to step, put him next to Morrissey, that could work, I think, maybe. You know, we, um, I don't know how familiar you are with TSN, but it's essentially ESPN Canada. Uh, and we talked with the uh, the resident hockey scout, and he says, and he believes that uh, both Billy Hainala and Dylan Sandberg are NHL ready right now. Right, and he now. thinks they can come in and contribute right off the bat. See, I haven't seen any of Sandberg play. Yeah, and I mean, who <laughs> who has outside of Minnesota Duluth, right? So I'm I'm pretty high on Sandberg myself. I've seen him at the World Juniors, but I mean that was six seven games or so so it's kind of tough to get a a true read on what he could provide this season i think in winnipeg the the consensus is that i think most people believe that sandberg would be ahead of hanela right now just because of age really age and size um i don't know as far as ceiling goes if if people would put uh sandberg ahead of hanela but that's kind of the the feeling around town is that if either one of those guys this year was to to take the step, whether it's top four or just on the third pairing, that it would be Dylan Sandberg. Um, the tough part with Hainala is that we don't even know if there's going to be an AHL this year. So you have to weigh, do you want him up with the big club, even if he's potentially not playing every single night, or do you want him out there in Europe you know, playing potentially 20 minutes a night against men and, and pretty, pretty solid competition at least. So it, it's a tough one for sure. But I personally would not be shocked if Dylan Sandberg came in and was pretty solid right off the bat. So, yeah. So like, uh, sorry, Connor cut you off there. No, you're good. I mean, Hanalo has, I don't know if you've seen his, uh, his stats in the Finnish league right now, but Hanalo has 14 points in 18 games in Finland right now. It's just, absolutely tearing it up yeah i mean i'm super high on him i think i mean and you're right connor last year i i mean he proved to everyone he was nhl ready like he was getting 20 minutes a night and did he look out of place i i didn't necessarily think so so i yeah like i'm not i'm not gonna be surprised if both those guys could make an impact this year and to be honest they they might have to my hope going into this offseason was that you know on the left side with them both being left-handed shots that You'd have Morrissey up at the top there. I mm-hmm. I was hoping they'd bring in kind of a no doubt about it top four guy. And then mm-hmm. you could allow Sandberg and Hanela to battle it out in camp and whoever you feel is best for the third pair to start, you go that way and you kind of you just you, you readjust as the season goes along. I just I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of potentially, you know, stacking your defense core on the hopes that two young kids, two rookies can come in and be rock solid right out of the gate. It could happen, but I mean, if you look at history across the NHL, it's it's pretty rare to see two guys have a big impact in their rookie seasons. So you you said you would want to bring in a top a surefire top four defenseman, right? Are you yeah, thinking I, trade I, or I, free agency? Yeah, and there's no one left in free agency now, so unless they well, who, tr- sorry, go ahead. That was gonna be my my question is what would you give up for a, if you could get a sh- Surefire top four defenseman. What would you, 
What would you give up? Well, Jack Roslovic in a heartbeat. Um, is that is that a potential deal? I I don't know. It's tough to get a sense of what his value is around the NHL. But I feel like I you mean, need a few other pieces there. I feel like yeah, you need yeah, and, and a few other things. Maybe a late, maybe a bit of a minor prospect, something like that. But I, I've brought up the name David Savard out of Columbus, for example. I know he's only got one year left, but to me, that's a, a real nice fit beside Neil Pionk to have a bigger guy who's real solid in his own end. And Jack Rosovic's from Columbus, so that co- connection's been there pretty much since day one. Um, but it, it sounded like Rosovic was on the move maybe a couple days into the off season and that's cooled off a little bit. So I wonder, I, yeah, I wonder where that's at. I really I, I'm like not Jack sure, Rosevic. but I wouldn't, I wouldn't hesitate at all. If, if a top four guy was on the table. Yeah. Jack Rosovic in a heartbeat. Yeah. I mean, we kind of talked about this, I don't know, Connor seven, 10 times over the summer. So many times, but we, you know, the Jets sort of do have to, like they, they basically put themselves in a position where they have to move a forward for some defensive help. And I mean, shoot, if you can move Jack Roslovic for a top four defenseman, absolutely do that. Uh, it's, and I don't think, I don't think Roslovic for a top for, I don't think Roslovic's going to get you a top four defenseman, but I'm not saying there isn't a, an NHL DM that wouldn't do that. Well, also, I, I, I just think it's kind of weird that the Jets have all their RFAs signed except for Jack Roslovic. I know the cap has been weird this year and there are still teams with notable RFAs like Matt Barzal is still unsigned, but well, Jack Rosovic doesn't require the, the cap space of, mm-hmm. you know, Matt Barzal. Well, and there, there were rumors that Rosovic wasn't happy in Winnipeg or not happy with the, the team or wanted out. Yeah. Or something yeah he, he has been happy for a while and there, uh, yeah, I, I, I just, for me, he's been given a lot of opportunity and we just haven't seen him fully grasp it and take hold. Like he spent, not this previous season, but even the year before that, basically two months on the second line with Patrick Liney and Brian Little. Like you're not going to get more of an opportunity than that. And he just, he hasn't really shown that he's capable of being a top six guy. So maybe some other team looks at him and sees something that, that I don't see and that's where maybe you could sneak out a potentially useful defenseman, but I would I would still be surprised to see him on the team to start the season. I, I know it's been cooled off a little bit here, but I imagine whenever there's a start date and all that comes down, that I, I I'm not going to be surprised at all to see him moved at all. Yeah. So let's kind of go into the whole off season here. What all did you think of? I guess we'll we'll start with resigning Dylan Demello. What, what did you think about him when he came in? And what do you think about keeping him for a pretty long term? I mean, he's a good defenseman. <laughs> so for a team that doesn't have or didn't have a lot of good defensemen, the signing makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I guess the only thing that, not that and it's a good contract and he's going to be a good player, but you just, if you look at other top pairings around the NHL, especially on contending teams, Morrissey DeMello is going to be at the bottom of that as far as playoff teams go. So that's the only thing, right? Now, the, the, the problem is, how do you get, you know, maybe not a Petrangelo, but somebody a little less than that? And it's well, tough. Like, it's, 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 it's hard to find those guys. It's hard to find them and convince them to come to Winnipeg. So 
when you have a defenseman that you can sign for pretty cheap and he wants to play here, that's kind of the hand that Chevy's got to go with. So I understand, I'm, I don't know, I'm kind of torn on it. He's going to be good, but there's no doubt that you would want your top pairing to be a little more impactful than Morrissey DeMello. As a guy who watched him for a bit in San Jose, it was very weird watching him go from being a bottom pairing guy right. to Ottawa, where he was like a top pairing guy. I'm like, well, that kind of makes sense because of that team. And he gets moved to Winnipeg, a team that was trying to contend for the playoffs and is on the top pairing. And you just kind of look at it, you're like, well, yeah, he's the best guy they have on the right side. Yeah, it's by default. And I mean, that's kind of the problem is a lot of the guys on their decor, especially on championship teams, would be like if you look at their higher end guys, you know, that's probably second pair material. I was going to so, say Morrissey DeMello sounds like a fantastic second pair. Yeah, it would be an elite second pair. So that's that's kind of the tough part here. But I guess the bet that the Jets are going to make here is that we believe we have, I mean, maybe the best goalie in the NHL. He was last season. And we hope that our forward core gets back to being top three, top five in the NHL. And that can offset not having a decor that compares with the Tampas and and with the, the Bostons and the Colorados and all those other teams. Yeah, so then I kind of want your take on what you thought of all the, the Line A trade rumors. I feel like that was okay. probably the most defining thing about the Jets offseason. Yeah, Line A watch. That, uh, <laughs> on a radio station in Winnipeg, it's, it's something that we don't want to talk about ever again, to be honest. Because and he, he, he's such a polarizing figure. I don't know. Like, I don't even, I don't know what you guys, what your stances are on Patrick Line. But it's gotten to the point in Winnipeg that every like no one's going to change what they think of him, and you're kind of one way or the other, right? You're either future superstar, fifty goals. There's no way you can move this guy, or he's not going to be the guy we thought he was when we picked him second overall. He's a nightmare inside his own zone, and there's some concerns if he wants to be here long term. So why not move him now when we can? That is a dangerous game to play. I'm not opposed to, to moving Patrick Lining or, or really anybody, but when you make a trade, it comes down to one thing. Is it making your team better? So if they trade Patrick Lining and it makes the Jets better, then I'm all for it. But I think there's some severe doubts as to whether or not that's going to happen. I don't, I don't know if there's a deal out there right now where the Jets are going to get equal value back for him. I would say probably not, at least not equal value right now. But I, I personally, I would keep him around because he's, what, 22, right? Yeah, he's, I mean, there's, what, like five people in hockey history that have scored more goals than he has at his age. And he's doing it at a time yeah. where it's been harder than ever to score goals. So I, I totally get the hesitancy of the fan base here to just let's pump the brakes and, and see if we can find a way to make this work because you can't find guys like that. Like even with all his wards, it's so hard to find 40, potentially 50 goal scores. Um, but then, you know, there's the domino effect from that as well. Uh, on the one side, I mean, we're hearing now when we talk to people that it sounds like a divorce is where things are headed. 
Um, and it's almost a mutual feeling between the Jets and Line A in his camp. So, I mean, that's one concern, obviously. Um, but the other is, even if he wanted to stay here, you're going to have to move somebody of significance up front because I don't know how you Cap can space. pay, what would it be, like $25 million to four wingers on your team? Like, there's a bit of a composition problem they're going to have to deal with if they, if they want to sign Patrick Line. Particularly well, they, with the flat cap. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that makes it worse. COVID just, just complicated everything because, mm-hmm. of course. Well, also, I mean, they already have a composition problem. Yeah. <laughs> Keeping line A, I mean, it still doesn't matter. I mean, even if they let line A go, they still have, you know, whether it's in through trade or free agency, they still don't have a very good defense and they still have a struggling uh, prospect pool. So, I'm not really sure how any of that will make the Jets better. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's a trade out there. Um, I mean, the problem too is you're asking for, I mean, you kind of have two options in a trade, right? There's the the typical superstar trade of a higher end roster player right now, a younger NHL player, and then a first round pick, right? And I don't know if you've heard anything, Connor, but from people I've talked to in Philly, I mean, the Flyers have been the team the most interested in them. And yeah. the the kind of consensus package, I guess, that I've heard is Travis Sanheim, Joel Farabee, and a first-round pick. Now, whether there's things added on top of that, I, I don't know. But I, I can't imagine a lot of Jets fans being happy with that trade. As a Flyers fan, I am not happy with that trade. Oh, Really? I, it's just, I don't know, maybe I'm too attached to a lot of those pieces. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's disrupting a lot of the foundation that the Flyers have kind of built themselves on. I'm just like, you're bringing in one guy and it's, they don't really have a need to bring in a winger. I don't think that's fair. So it's now you're, and I really like Sandheim and you get like, and we built the team on first round picks of given, I don't know. It's just a lot. I guess to, to digest at one time. So when you say all those so, pieces, I'm just like... It's so funny, though, because eh. I think most Flyers fans are in your camp, and then most Jets fans are like, ah, I don't know if that's enough. So it's a trade that, like, nobody's happy with. <laughs> and that's kind of the the dance Brendan and I have been doing when we've been discussing trades for Line A. It's like, okay, what you would want to get from Line A is not what you would get in return usually. Like the values just no matter what you do, the values don't line up. And I'm not sure what the solution to that is. Yeah, it's not good either way, right? Like obviously the I think the dream trade would be a top pairing defenseman, right? Like just go go strength for strength here. If a team wants, you know, a potential 40, 50 goal scorer, then you got to give up a top pairing guy. That that would be the dream world. But Line A for Dougie Hamilton. Yeah, I'd, I'd sign up for that. I would sign up for that. Now, can you get Hamilton signed long-term? I guess that's another potential nightmare you'd have to go into it. But like a trade like that would be perfect. Like to I mean, me, that's where I would go. Instead of getting three, four pieces, go closer to the one-for-one route and just try and get, try and find a stud defenseman. But most teams... Most teams like their stud defensemen and don't want to move those guys. But, yeah, but also Carolina has like five good defensemen. So, <laughs> And what do they need every year? Goal scoring. 
every year they're either goal scoring or goaltending away from going on a run. Unfortunately, I don't think Line is going to solve their goaltending issues. Well, well, they played goalie when he was twelve, so you never know. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. But hey, speaking of goalies, Connor Halbuck won the Vesna this year. That was that was fun. That was a fun time, eh? It was a uh, it was really awful waiting like six months to figure out that you know the voters weren't going to screw up the whole Vesna thing. But you know, nice to see someone from the Jets finally win an award. So. There's that. Yeah. There, there was no argument against him winning it, to be honest. Like, I, to me, that's a unanimous. It should have been unanimous. Um, the GMs vote on the Vesna, so I, I was kind of worried that, I mean, some of them, like, wins more than anything, which is ridiculous when it I was comes about to, to say. I was about to say, Brendan, what is the one argument against Connor Hellebuck? Yeah, you go to NHL.com, and you hit the sort by W button, and... Hellbuck isn't the first name there. Clearly, he's not the best goaltender. Yeah, it's just the dumbest thing in the world. But thankfully, that didn't happen. I mean, like, all you have to do is just look briefly at the quality of whether it's, you know, natural stat trick or some of the shot charts that come out. And I mean, nobody was even close to in terms of the quality that he faced and stopped on a night to night basis. So and that, that was by far the biggest bright spot last season. The concern now is that if he's just good this season how bad are the Winnipeg Jets right because he had to be a Vezda winner to have them as a bubble team last year yeah the Jets are in this really weird spot where I'm not really sure what else is going to happen with them this year where I think the defense will be better with if you if you play the kids uh and well that's a big if yeah well that and you'll have Dylan DeMello the whole year fingers crossed you know, and maybe the team won't be as injured. You know, it always felt like there was some player that was out last year. Oh, Brian Little. And, yeah, and, you know, you look at that Jets roster, and, you know, if you look at the advanced metrics, like, I think by expected goals, the Jets were worse than the Red Wings were last year, which still blows my mind, right? Like, you look through that roster, and you're like, there's no way they are that bad again. But at the same time, they pretty much made the playoffs because of Connor Hellebuck. So, you know, I, I'm not counting on Connor Hellebuck to do that again. And if he doesn't do that again, I don't know what happens with the Jets. I think, yes, you might see some individual players grow a little more. You might see some improvements here and there. But I don't know if that's going to be enough to put them back in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, especially, like, if it's going to be an all-Canadian division. Ah, man, I like, if it's going to be the top four that make it, they're going to be in tough. Like, to me, they're... They're well behind Toronto. I would have Montreal ahead of them. Then you get into Calgary, Edmonton. Like, the, I, I don't know. They, they need a lot of things to break their way to get anywhere near to where they were just a couple of seasons ago. I think if I, I don't remember all the moves off the top of my head because the offseason is weird, but I think Edmonton now has at least three NHL caliber defensemen. So Connor McDavid might actually have yeah. <laughs> some support. And that might be dangerous. Yeah, yeah. And the, the corpse of Kyle Turris on the third line, which is still an improvement over what they've had for three years. Like, I just, I don't, I really don't know what's going to happen in that Canadian division. I mean, someone kind of said this in, in The Athletic today, but I feel like you could sort of just put Ottawa in last and then just sort of do a random number generator on the rest of the division. And I wouldn't be shocked. 
you know, I could see Toronto's new look defense struggling and, you know, maybe Freddie Anderson is bad again this year and maybe they finish second or third, you know, maybe Winnipeg gets a, another heroic effort from Connor Hellbuck and, you know, the defense is a lot better and, you know, Mark Shifley has a hundred points and they win the division or maybe Montreal with all their additions, maybe they get hot and, and win the division, right? There's so many different little what ifs for every Canadian team aside from Ottawa that I'm not really sure how this division shakes out. And I think it'll actually be pretty exciting. I agree. I, I think the only problem for me, if you, again, take Ottawa out of the equation, the biggest flaw to me out of the six teams that remain is the Jets defense. So unless a move is made and I don't know how likely that is, like, is that enough to sink them? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just glad that we don't have to deal with the central division shenanigans of like every team almost making the playoffs. I guess we might have that same problem, but we won't have to face a Colorado or, you know, whatever, all that nonsense. See a Colorado. We, yeah, we, we don't need that in our lives. Yeah, like, and if Chicago takes another step forward, they could be dangerous as well. What? No. What planet are you on? Got- They're rebuilding this year. Name their goaltender. Exactly. You guys are Colin D'Elia fans? No. Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, I do like Debrinket though. I I thought the Flyers should have drafted him. That would be nice. Just kept- <laughs> then he just kept dropping. I'm like, of course the Blackhawks are going to just luck into him. Yeah, I was surprised Chicago. I mean, they're, they're, they can't really go into full rebuild because of the old guys that they still have there and the contracts that they have. But I, they, they look good in the, in the play-in round. I thought bring Crawford back, make some additions. They could have been a, I don't know, you know, high-end team, but they would have been a scary team. Listen, I'm just saying that aside from Colorado and Winnipeg, you had five other central teams to pick from and you picked the one that wrote a letter to their fans saying that we're going to suck this year. <laughs> They've been rebuilding for years. Are you going to tell me that letter was a surprise? Retooling. Or as uh, Sharks fans have come to call it, retooling on the fly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that was a buzzword around the Flyers for a while. Wasn't oh, yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. Reload. We were, we're always reloading. Reload. Oh, who was that? Paul Holmgren that said that? I don't know. Oh, geez. But, uh, yeah, that's been one of the uh, buzzwords that Doug Wilson uses because, you know, always the best players on his teams in recent years are over the age of 30. But, uh, yeah, so you got any predictions for the Canadian division this year? You know, I was actually – I'm, I'm doing a, a state of the franchise where I'm kind of ranking the Jets um, in different – in all the departments, right, like forward, defense, goalie, all that stuff. And I, I was trying to get a sense of where I would have them in the Canadian division. And it's, it's okay. <laughs> it's not, it's not overly pessimistic. It's not optimistic. I don't think, but to, to me, my top two teams are Toronto, Montreal. I, I love what Montreal did. And I think, look, I'm, my fatal flaw is forever thinking Carey Price is the best goalie in the NHL, even when the numbers don't back it up. So I'm going to, I'm going to ride and die on the price train. And I think Montreal is going to be much improved. And then, yeah, like just trying to differentiate, uh, differentiate Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Vancouver. I would have Winnipeg ahead of Vancouver. I think Vancouver's like Winnipeg light. I'm just not buying their, their playoff run last year. 
I would I probably have Vancouver before they lost half their team, but yes. Yeah, yeah, and then that happened. Um, I, I think, I think optimistically, I would have Winnipeg fourth. Pessimistically, I would have them fifth. Well, I was gonna go even further and say pessimistically sixth, optimistically fourth, but. Yeah, I, I just I'm not I'm not all in on Vancouver. I I just. Um. Well, I, I like to dunk on Vancouver because I mean they had a pretty functional hockey team last year, but their salary cap management is maybe right. one of the worst in the league. Garbage. There are so many garbage players on even worse contracts on that team. Like they let Tyler Toffoli go because they just yeah. they couldn't move a bad contract. They just just have so many of them. Yeah, they could have they could have been legit, but Erickson, Tyler. I mean, hey. <laughs> The Jets dodged the Tyler Myers deal, so that's that's a positive, right? <laughs> we make fun of the Tyler Myers contract all the time. Yeah, it's it's rough because we, we he has he has a lot of grit, so it plays into our. Uh, he has a lot of neck too. <laughs> he has a lot of. Yeah, what, did, what did Kevin Hayes called him a leaf eater, right? A giraffe. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that's not Tyler Myers. That's Kevin Hayes's words, not mine. Was 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 that at Tyler Myers? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, geez, that's that's so much better. I've yeah. seen that clip a thousand times. I had no yeah. idea who it was. Oh man, uh, I don't know about you guys. I'm kind of tapped out on, on talking subjects. But if you, what else did you guys have in mind? Oh, I was just going to make a comment on the Canadian division. Um, yeah, go for it. Nobody's going to believe me now that uh, this is after the bubble. Um, but before the bubble, I had this plan that the the Canadians were going to be my hot pick to win. I don't know, not to win, but to make the playoffs. To be that one team that misses the playoffs and that makes the playoffs. And then, of course, they had to go and beat the Penguins and give the Flyers a run for their money. And now they're everybody's hot pick. Yeah. So I got to find a new, um, new hot pick. Maybe I'll pick the Flames because I have no idea what they're going to do and look into that. The Flames, I think, could be either really, really good or really, really bad. I don't know. They're a weird team because so weird. they sound like they want to trade Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monaghan. And I, I get, I guess I get it, but it, it sounds like there's a little bit of, a little bit of something going on down there in, in Calgary. So I, that's my only concern, and I, I'm just not a big believer in. I, I, to me, Sean Monaghan would be absolutely perfect as a second-line center. I don't know if he's, when you talk about some of the best of the best in the league, if he matches up with them. If you trade Goudreau and Monaghan, how do you sell that to your fan base and say, hey, we're rebuilding again, please stick around? Yeah, you don't. <laughs> um, I, I guess you would be trying to trade malcontent for malcontent on a different team. Mm. I, I can almost understand. I mean, the problem is I don't think Sean Monaghan is a good enough number one center. But if you trade him, you're not going to get a guy that's better than him. So what's the point of even moving him, if, if you get what I'm saying? Right. And, and the Johnny Gaudreau thing is, it's just weird. I, I don't really know what's going on there, but I think something is. And if that's the case... I mean, I can understand a team wanting to move on from that situation. I, I go back to the the Mike Richards, Jeff Carter trades in Philly where, you know, didn't want to move them, but some off the ice stuff maybe compels teams to go in certain directions. Yeah, man. All right. Uh, do you have anything else that you would uh, 
Anything else on your mind? Nope. I think I'm good, boys. All right. Uh, Brandon, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, Skates and Plates is going to debut on the Hockey Podcast Network on uh, December the 4th. So that would be Friday, yeah, Friday, December the 4th. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll be doing my first episode there. Uh, joined with Andrew Hessler Patterson on that one. So yeah, just be tuned every Tuesday, Friday for those episodes dropping. And then, yeah, if you uh, can find a computer or a radio, TSN 1290, the big show, we're on Monday through Friday, 6 to 11. And um, if you can't get to a radio dial, TSN 1290.ca, come, come check us out. All right. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Gritper60Pod. You can find me on Twitter at bferrell 727 And you can find Connor on Twitter at TC underscore 904. Don't forget to uh, follow all of our friends here at the Hockey Podcast Network, especially Brandon. Uh, I would imagine this is not going to be the first, or this is going to be the last time that we'll have you on with us. I hope, so, yeah. Uh, this is the last, guys. I, 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 anytime you want me to come on, just let me know. Yeah, man. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you on with us. Uh, but that being said, thank you for listening and have a good one. Listen to the Islanders Never Say Die podcast, your one-stop shop for Islanders news, analysis, and opinions. Featuring the biggest personalities in sports podcasting, TJ and the Grumpy Old Man. That's right, TJ. If you want your opinions viewed through orange and blue colored glasses from an Islander Bobo and charter member of the Louie Trust crowd, you'll love the measured commentary from TJ. On the other hand, if you want the unvarnished truth of a hockey purist, a genius, a legend, and an all-around great guy, the grumpy old man's insane ramblings will be just what you need to survive each and every week. An all-around great guy? Well, we also have weekly installments of Stump the Grump, an absolute fan favorite. Make sure to participate in our live streams and listen every Monday and Thursday to the bi-weekly podcast. You can find the Islanders Never Say Die podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network.